my gosh. We're back. It's been a while. Lots has happened. We've got a lot to catch you up on in this, the last episode of season three of the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. So you join us right in the middle of a, a massive session. Um, not the first time, I think you'll agree. But Joel, what are we playing? The, just, just to be clear... Never again say that people have joined us, you and me, in the middle of a massive session. I'm sure that we've joined listeners in the middle of many of their massive sessions. I look, this has taken a turn and we've only been recording for less than a minute. Uh, a session of a board game, is that what you're asking? I mean, that's what we're doing, but I actually like to listen to podcasts when I'm on the toilet. But let's move on from that. <laughs> so, I was on a road trip to Cornwall. Yeah, you were. Who's been to Cornwall? Have you been to Cornwall? I'm putting my hand up, listeners, because I've been to Cornwall. Well, I've not been there often, and I forget every time I go how remote it is, Joel. Yep, it's not the remotest, but it's pretty darn remote. I was in the town with the south-westerly most primary school in the United Kingdom, and there I found a charity shop. And in that charity shop, I found a board game called The Manager by Terry Venables. A board game owned, incorporated, and conceptualised by famous 80s and 90s football manager Terry Venables. The tagline, can you take the pressure? Not can you handle it, <laughs> can you take it? Listeners, it's a, convolu- it's a complex game. It's fairly convoluted. We're not going to bore you with the rules. Uh, I can tell you some choice quotes. Do you want some choice quotes from uh, Terry's, uh, Terry's words of wisdom on the inside of the rules? Um, uh, well, he says, for example... I've often heard it said, with a successful club, it's not the money, it's the players. But I say to that, without the money, you can't buy the players. Profound. Very profound. Basically, you're, uh, you're trying to please the fans, Kyle. You're trying to please the players. But you've also got to please the club's directors and shareholders. In, always whilst in the glare of global publicity, the press may write you off after a bad day at the office. Uh, essentially, Terry Venables ended up getting... Uh, hugely controversially um, sacked by Tottenham Hotspur for uh, sort of shady financial dealings. I think this game is part of those dealings (laughs) or to recover from those dealings because it's clear, you can see his mindset of the time. It's very 80s based, all about uh, satisfying the stockholders. It's It's basically football manager before computers were a thing. It's a board game with what's really what's one of these green question mark cards. Could I just wait for one second? Go on. <laughs> this is uh, on page one of the rules of the game. Uh, children from the age of 10 years can enjoy the game, but initially may need to be guided by an adult. The manager can be enjoyed and won by those who have no special interest in soccer. And it may be found that women are frequently the winners. Thanks for letting us know, Terry. <laughs> I think that's a really good departure point to talk about oh how, my God. just how much times have moved on. This game was made in, I think, 1990, uh, as, I, as I said, a precursor to actual proper manager games on the computer, this board game. Joel loves board games. I, I bought do, it for Joel. I adore board games. And I, this is a wonderful present. Thank you so much. Do you want to hear some of those questions that you were asking about? A yeah, go ago? on. As we, Before we go back to the obvious rejoinder to women will sometimes win the game by talking about the amazing Women's World Cup that we've just watched a lot. No, let's, let's go. We'll get there eventually. Read some of these green Riddler type cards. So uh, they come in three categories, every card. Okay. Uh, one's got a football by it. The other's got the uh, uh, sort of drama mask, smiley drama mask. What's that called? Comedy mask. Hit me with it. And the last one is a book. Uh, so football mask or book. I'll go for football. 
In what year did Gary Lineker make his England debut? You get a point if you answer within two years. Are you giving me that point or is the card giving me that, that point? says that on the, on the card. 1982. It was 1984, you get the point. Yes. Do you want to hear one of the other ones? Let's other... quickly move on. <laughs> I, I've just got to read the book one. Okay. What is Margaret Thatcher's middle name? Grantham. Hilda. <laughs> so that's the manager. That's been one of the things that we've been doing while we've been off the air, listeners. I've been sitting at home playing the manager on my own, pretending to be a woman so I might win. Speaking of women, there you go, segue. Lovely. It's been the Women's World Cup. We've did three group episodes. People have been saying we should have done more. Yeah. And sure, we know. We've been busy. We wanted to, but we've not really been able to get together. What have you been doing that's prevented us from doing more episodes about the Women's World Cup? Um, I had a play on. I wrote a play. I had it staged in Kingston. Uh, it just won Best Theatre of that festival. Woo! If I uh, was a better uh, editor and producer, I'd put a little clapping thing in there. As Sorry. it is, I'll just... I'll mind clapping so the listeners don't get deaf. I know what the listeners are thinking. They're thinking... Winning Best Theatre of a Theatre Festival. There was other other categories, don't worry. Right. Such as music. Best music of the And comedy. Festival. Best comedy of... Yes. I mean, that makes sense. But no, best podcast. Which could have been us. So next year we'll enter. Yes. Well, the Absolute Worldy Theatre Podcast. What have you been doing, Joel? Not much. No, I... I, I uh, Carl, I went to France. Twice. To watch the Women's World Cup. To watch the Women's World Cup. I threatened two listeners. I've been threatening to do so for nearly a year. And I've done it. I've done it. It was amazing. Both times I got to watch the Lionesses. I, I went to England 1, Argentina 0. And I also went to England 3, uh, Norway 0. And frankly, it's been some of the most fun I've had at a football match. Like, the atmosphere was amazing. It was, uh, I mean, this not in a patronising way it's going to come across, but I, it was friendly. It was warm. Like, there was no... I was surrounded by Argentinian fans on the first game and everyone was singing and there was no sense of kind of violence or aggression. There was no segregation in terms of fans? No segregation between fans at all. Then what about outside the stadium? Uh, no, nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was just a genuinely lovely atmosphere. Uh, the French have really taken it to heart. Uh, most most fans in the stadium on both games were French and French locals who had bought tickets. It was just an amazing time. And i tell you what, I've never support it not since I was a child have I been really excited about an England team and supporting an England team I got so fired up by this England team I wanted them to win the World Cup so much favourite player ooh tough um I've got a real soft spot for Jill Scott I love Jill Scott yeah I think she's there's something about the way she sort of she reminds me a bit like uh like Dietmar Harmon yeah. Like she's just, uh, that was a very niche reference for our non-football. Uh, I think he's a, a lofty German central midfielder, much like Jill Scott herself. Not German though, of course. She's English. Yeah, otherwise she wouldn't have been, well, whatever. Uh, yeah, but there's something about her, the way that she's tough tackling, but has an eye for a pass that I really enjoyed. Uh, she got a hit in the face, I think I saw in it at least four times in two different games. Every single team tried to beat the crap out of her and she would not have it. She is a badass. I really like her. And then, of course, Steph Horton. What a, what a player. She's like, she's got that kind of centre-back with an eye for a long diagonal pass thing going on. And then everyone's favourite, Ellen White. Nearly top goal scorer. Now, without revealing too much about the actual exploits later on in the tournament, yes, Joel. Yes, sorry, yes. Um, because we're going to come to that, listeners. We've had uh, absolute worldy. Uh, reporters out in the field watching the games. We're going to hear from them sporadically in this episode in our 
in our sort of on the road sec- road show sections. Yeah, that's you know that theme it. tune. Yeah, but Joel, in terms of the group stages, the games that you saw, and, the, and obviously the first knockout round, what would be your personal highlight of the whole experience? Um, again, I don't want to this. I th- I so I'm going to segue from from what I'm going to talk about here in back into that, and that is that. So uh, did you read that article that I recommended when we when I previewed England about Tony Duggan? Uh, it was an article in the Guardian. And the, in the interview, she said that one of the most brilliant experience she, experiences she had recently was in the Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona game at the Wanda Metro, Metropoli, Metropolitana. Metropolitana, thank you. Wanda Metropolitana, Atletico Madrid's men's team home stadium. And it was the women's game between Atletico Madrid women and Barcelona Feminine. And uh, Barcelona smashed Atletico Madrid, but it was a 60,000 60, complete sellout. And there's a... Tony Duggan has an image, a photo of her celebrating scoring at Atletico Madrid. And there are Atletico Madrid fans in the corner swearing at her and giving her the finger. And she said she loved that because that level of rivalry and intensity and atmosphere is something that sometimes is missing from the women's game. Having said that, and with all respect to that argument that she's making there, I totally get where she's coming from and that you want the men's game and the women's game to have be played at that same level of intensity and fight and passion. The most amazing thing was seeing how many young girls were there. I just, I've been going to football since I was four years old and I don't remember ever going to a football match and seeing so many women under the age of, probably under the age of 15, 16 down who were just so excited, cheering. I think you could hear it on the TV as well. There was a lot of high pitched Mm. cheering because there were whole sections of young girls going to football uh, to passionately cheer on their team but in a way that I, I'm, I'm sad to say, it just made me really happy and like proud that that uh, football was slowly but surely catching up with the modern world, and we can understand that the women's game and the men's game, whilst different sports, are should be taken uh, as seriously, and that's only proven by the fact that there were so many young female fans there. And what we've had since the tournament finished, I'm not going to spoil the winner just yet, is. Ex-players, ex-coaches, current coaches, uh, journalists, broadcasters calling out that this sort of groundswell of support at this level, the top international level, needs to trickle down into the domestic game, into the league games. Um, we've spoken about it off off air. You're going to try and see the Tottenham women's team now. I'm going to try and watch some of the women's games at Chelsea. You're lucky because you get Tottenham. Tottenham's women's team only just got promoted out of the the what would be the championship or second division in the men's game, and they're only now in the top division, so they haven't got any f- famous players. But at Chelsea, you get to see. All kinds of exciting players. You Kirby. Get Frank Kirby, Carly Telford. She's the a keeper. goalie. Yeah, keeper. Mm, like Millie Bright. Yeah, she is a towering presence in that team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's that's something we have to push forward with. We need to, and we're going to keep doing that this podcast, keep talking about women's football, go to some games, do some roadshows from those games. So look out for those, and we'll talk more about the Women's World Cup after this. Um, because we're not sitting together, here's a smattering of my um, observations and moments from the game. Oh, oh it's a corner. <laughs> oh, it's a throw. Come on, football. And it's up in the air. And it's still in the air. Oh, no, it's on the ground again. Oh, someone's fallen over. Oh, Joe Scott, not the jazz singer, the football player. They're passing it back and forth. That's Eng- England players are passing it back and forth. Uh, now there's three of them passing it back and forth. Come on, come on, football. We're into bonus. We're in the bonus round. They're slowly driving the ball towards the netted 
rectangle. Come on, football. Oh, she's hit it back to the, the one in yellow. The canary, I think that's her name. She's a canary. She dresses as a canary. No, she's a golden. I don't understand how they make the grass two different colors. Uh, one's there's like a light green, and then next to it there's a, a, a dark green, and then next to that is another light green. Come on, England. And we're back from that lovely interlude from our road show. I feel like Amma's contribution was um, more tongue in Well, it was pretty much as tongue-in-cheek as his appearance during the last World Cup on Japol, Japile and Japama. Hey, hang on. I will never forget that game. The Jap- It was absolutely amazing. And Amma, he, he got into it by the end. It seems like he got into the World, he did World get, Cup He did fine. get into this by the end. But there was a lot of, oh, it's a corner. Oh, I'm looking over there. Oh, is that a dog? It's not a dog. It's a, it's a chair. He just wants people to love him, Joel. And we do. Amachada Patel. Um, before we go on to learn more about how the Lioness has progressed in this Women's World Cup, I've got some more questions for you from The Manager by Terry Venables. <laughs> Best 75 pence I've ever spent. Question. Football themed. Name the first England player to be the top goal scorer in the World Cup finals. Jeff Hurst. It was Gary Lineker. Oh. A lot of the questions are themed about Gary Lineker, maybe because he was a <laughs> current player of Terry Venables at the time. In fact, he's on the box of this uh, board game in his Tottenham shirt. Anyway, who sang The Power of Love? The power of... Oh, oh, oh no. The power of... I don't know, Meatloaf? Jennifer Rush. Oh. Maybe if we were around in the 80s, we'd know that song. I don't think it's the one we're thinking it is. Oh, right. <laughs> Who is Ringo Starr's second wife? Oh, my God. Um, I'll put you out in misery. It's Barbara back. Oh, God. She's bringing Barbara back. Yep. <laughs> so, Joel, you were there in yes, the knockouts. The Lionesses, England versus Norway. They'd already um, made their way past Cameroon in the last 16. Yes, they had. Where were you whilst I was doing the bloody business, Carl? I've been... You know, bussing a hump all over... France. France. No, to the same stadium twice. The closest one to the UK. <laughs> uh, I was also paying my dues, Joel, by travelling to Somerset to a famous festival. Oh, yes. The uh, some, the Avon Cider Festival. It's actually called the Glastonbury Festival of Music and Performing Arts. Oh. Or is... Music and Visual Arts. Anyway, it was my first ever trip. I had an amazing time. But I took time out from my busy musical schedule to watch the England game in front of the West Holt stage. Thousands and thousands of people there. Uh, and what an experience to watch it with all those people. Uh, what was the atmosphere like? It was electric. Obviously, people were getting pretty hammered, you know. Was they... there a lot of footballs coming home? I tried to not get involved in it because I was like, the last thing you want if you're watching women's football is me gluten-free IPA boy standing up shouting oh gluten-free IPA yeah. gluten so I tried not to but obviously at 3-0 like I lost it but everyone was everyone was singing football. there's also a new version of football's coming home again because mm. like, before you know to the tune of Atomic Kitten um, you can make me whole again back on yeah. when we first met I cannot escape and I cannot forget so it used to be Southgate you're the one you still turn me on Football's coming. But now it's Neville, you're the one. He's just not, though, is he? He's not, and we'll talk about why in a minute. Um, 
<laughs> highlight for me of, is because, listeners, if you don't know, the game wasn't going to be shown at Glastonbury because Glastonbury has a habit of showing uh, England men's team games if they happen to coincide with the festival. And obviously they're watched by thousands and tens of thousands of people. Uh, they weren't showing this game. Mm. And Georgia Stanway, a Lioness's, a Lioness t- member herself, said... She reached out to Glastonbury and said, look, my brother's going and he wants to watch it and I would really like him to watch it. Can you put it on somewhere? And I think she thought there was... Is it Stanway or Stanforth? Stanway. You sure it wasn't Stanforth? Georgia Stanway. Yes. No, I'm saying which one was it? Because there's two Georgias. I think it's Georgia Stanway. Right. I've got a song about her which I'll sing you in a second. Sorry, what were you going to say? So... I think she was like, oh, they'll probably put it on in Speaker's Forum, a little tent for about 50. They put it on the West Holt stage, the third biggest stage, and there was thousands of people there. And at one point, her brother, when she she came off the bench during yes. the game, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he stood up and did a little dance, Aww. and everyone was like, ooh, look, it's her brother. That was nice. We've got Stanway, Georgia Stanway. I just don't think you understand. She's under 21. She's better than your mum. We've got Georgia Stanway. It's my Georgia Stanway song. I'll have you know that my mum, Fiona, is absolutely amazing at football. <laughs> so I'm sure she is, but she's not as good as under-21's Georgia Stanway. So that was the, the quarterfinals, Joel. Mm. Final score, 3-0. It was amazing. That Lucy Bronze goal. Core blimey. There were some really good goals scored in this World Cup. Like, uh, France scored some absolute crackers. Uh the USA obviously scored a lot, but blimey, that Lucy Bronze strike. Explain it from from, from uh, your standpoint well, I in was, the ground. I was bemoaning the fact that England had gone... Sh- England were have got, you know, Jill Scott, they've got Millie Bright, they've got Steph Horton, they've got big players who can get up and head a ball. And every blooming corner and free kick, they were trying some kind of routine. And they got a free kick on the corner of the edge of the box. And I, in my, as is my want, was moaning... At 2-0 up, moaning. I was like, I'll oh, put it in the mixer, for God's sakes, put it on Jill's head. Let's not let's not muck about. Uh, I was like, oh, I was going to go short. Here we go. And um, I don't know who took it. It might have been um, uh, Beth Mead, actually. Uh, took a short free kick to the edge of the box where, uh, quote, the best right back in the world. Lucy Bronze. Lucy Bronze. Or actually, as Phil Neville said, quote, the best player in the world, controversial opinion, um, the best right back in the world, Lucy Bronze was. And she, I mean, absolute world, he doesn't do it justice, but it was an absolute world. The speed with which he hit the ball, the Norway keeper barely even saw it. It was one of those moments when the keeper, it was one of my favourite moments in football, actually. There was one that Danny Rose scored against Arsenal a few years back when the keeper sort of seems to move after the ball's already gone past them. It was it, it was an absolute world in every sense of the world. It was in a World Cup. Yeah. The highest echelon of the women's game. Lucy Bronze is well known to be one of the best players in the England team, one of the best players in the world, as you said. And she hit the ball like she was clearing it away upfield. <laughs> yeah. It's like she didn't have any it was it hit it it looked as if she was hitting it as hard as she could, but it was pure precision pure power and it was one of those delicious goals that from outside the box hits the roof of the net yeah oh so good without hitting the crossbar it was stunning my favorite thing about her is how cool she is she's so she's so cool do you mean cool in the sense of like chilled out because i don't think she's that at all no she's she's not frantic most of the time she's very frantic the way she plays football is intense no she's just really cool 
Like, there was a there was a drinks break. I can't remember who England played. It might have been Cameroon, actually. There was a drinks break. Or even in one of those really, you know, well, let's discuss it. The crazy moment when Cameroon looked like they were going to stop playing after England had scored and it had been allowed. Um, uh, I think there was a cut to her just standing by the edge of the pitch, just doing keepy-uppies. Just, just keeping her feet warm. She just... I also saw an interview with her where she said that uh, when she was growing up with, I think, Georgia Stanforth, they uh, they they uh, they would just do keepy-uppy competitions. And they had to stop when it got to the point where both of them could do 500 without dropping it. God, it's a long evening. Yeah, but she's just cool. She's a really cool person. And I, as I maintained when I previewed the England team before the World Cup, the fact that her middle name is tough in no way uh, makes her less cool. I, what I, one of the things I love about her is that she's bilingual. She's been playing in Lyon for years. She was doing videos for, uh, for her subscribers or her followers, and she's doing some in English and some in French. And she's, she's bilingual uh, English-Portuguese, actually. Oh, um, wow, so she's I, trilingual. French she's learnt. Oh, I don't, I don't know what bilingual means. I just thought it meant speaking two languages. Well, you, you would say that because she grew up bilingual in a household that speaks Portuguese and English, she's bilingual Portuguese-English, but she's also learnt French. So she's omnilingual? I don't know what the... Multilingual. Multilingual, that is it. Like car insurance, but she's multi-car. She's... <laughs> the Absolute Worldly Football Podcast. The only podcast that refers to Lucy Bronze as being multi-car insurance. Now we're going to hear more about the uh, the lionesses from some more of our road shows, um, and when we come back, we've mentioned him twice already. We're going to hear more about Phil Neville. Hello, Absolute Worldy Podcast listeners. You're here with Amy, a former Absolute Worldy guest, and also Sadie, former Absolute Worldy guest, and also. Andrew, former Absolute Worldly Game. That's right, that's right. We've all been on the podcast before. Now, we have just watched England v Norway in the quarterfinals of the Women's World Cup. Sadie, what did you think of the match? Well, Amy, it was an exciting time for me because as I ran across London <laughs> to make the match at <laughs> halftime, I had missed three goals. That's right, everybody. Sadie missed every single goal. I missed every single goal and they did not score again once I arrived, thus confirming my fears that I am a curse to all England football games. She is cursed because then England got a penalty chance. Did they score? Fuck off, did they? No, because Sadie arrived. We're blaming Sadie. Isn't that right, Andrew Gruen? Uh, I mostly blame Sadie for the downturn in England's form. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so in conclusion... England have won. They're through to the semi-finals. Let's not let Sadie watch another match in this World Cup. And we're back. Carl wants some more questions from the manager. Here we go. Do you think anyone has played this game since 1994? I think you and I are the first people to attempt to play it. Should we find out whether it's worth any money? It's in pretty good condition. I don't want to sell it. I want to keep it. What if it's worth millions? I'll sell it. We could buy a studio for the for the podcast. <laughs> could you imagine trying to explain that to we Lindsay? Could buy some more. I'm sorry, we're not buying an, anything for our future. We've, we've bought a studio for our podcast. <laughs> yeah. This I is could, our new future. I could imagine it. Certainly. Our listeners will agree. Yes. Kyle. Yes. Football question. There's one that I think you'll get. Who plays at Brisbane Road? No one anymore. Yeah, I know. Who played at... I mean, we've got to remember, got to remember listeners, a lot of these questions are out of date. No oh one... my God. Uh, uh, Hull City. I think you were about to say something beginning with L. Leeds United. No. Leighton Orient. Oh, come on. They do, it's the same stadium. Okay, I'll follow up with a, with a smiley face question. 
Name the first two Bond movies. Doctor No. That is one of them. Oh my god. And the first one ever was Casino Royale. No, that was it. Just didn't count because it wasn't a bond. It wasn't. It wasn't made by the same. What do you want studio. from me? I've got. I can only give you what's on the card. Octopussy. No, but I can't believe there was ever a book or a film named Octopussy. It's from Russia with love. Oh, the first one was Doctor No. Next one. That's what after Doctor No. Any more questions? Oh, you want another question? Um... <laughs> There's just so many stupid questions. Oh, here we go. Name the three league clubs George Best has played for. Hibs. Name, sorry, three of the league clubs that George Best has played. League clubs. Oh, English league. Sorry, a nationalist. Um, there's, there's four to choose from. And you've got to name three of them. Oh, let's leave that to the listeners. Let's move on. Okay, listeners, we'll come back with the answer to that uh, at some point later. Um, what is that chatbot? I've never heard that before. Oh, I know what it is. What was that? It's the Pardonnez-moi cul-de-sac chatbot. Oh no, pardon the means excuse me, yeah, it's, or it, sorry. It's a bit like Chris Jess Corrections Corner from last year. Oh uh, no, what have we done? Well, it's going enough now because I've kept on referring to Georgia Staniforth, and there's no such person, it's Lucy Staniforth. Yeah, I can see why you got confused because of Georgia Stanway. Georgia Stanway, Lucy Bronze, combine them, what'd you get? Lucy, Lucy Staniforth. Stanford. Bronze. <laughs> sorry, Lucy. <laughs> Uh, there is also another reason I think that chatbot's going off, Carl. And I think it's the it's the gigantic misogynist elephant in the room that we need to address. What both of us? Yes, it's a. There's a... Are we the, are we not the elephants? No, we're not the elephants. There's oh, just right. a, it's in the room with us. Oh, it's massive. Yeah, that was a big misogynist elephant. What have we done? Well, uh, you may remember, listeners, if you're uh, an avid listener, and why, if you're a new listener, you're listening to the last episode in the series. That's a bizarre just choice. Just to set you up for next year. Yeah, <laughs> life choices. Um, uh, that we had a category in our previews, uh, Mademoiselle Vavavoum. Uh, now, we had a, 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 a very loyal listener, hello to you, you know who you are, uh, concert us to say that the French definitely don't use the word Mademoiselle anymore. Because it is uh, 100% sexist. Well, they what what the what the listener said actually was that uh, in terms of legal forms and um, all that sort of stuff, it's no longer an option. I'm sure lots of uh, horrible old men are still calling ladies Mademoiselle in the street. Yes, and uh, in an effort not to be horrible old men, we probably shouldn't have done it. <laughs> or um, on the podcast. Or on the podcast. I think uh, in general, actually, Carl, I think we both we both talked about it quite a bit since then. I think we might have made a misstep. I think we made a rod for our own back when we kept saying, is this sexist? And asking our female guests and they were like, I don't want to tell you it is, so I'll just pretend it's okay. Yeah, I think basically we both listened back to those three episodes. And whilst we were delighted to be doing the Women's World Cup and giving it as much time and airtime as we did. And also both of us so blooming excited about the World Cup and how amazing to watch it was. I think we probably could have done without that category. We so... should have stuck with Voulez Vous Coup Play Avec Moi. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's time to talk about, Joel, the man of the hour, if you catch my drift. Yep. Phil Ip Neville. Philip Neville. Arise, Sir Phil? No. No. Sit down, Sir Phil. Sit down, Sir Phil. Uh, <laughs> Philip Neville, brother of Gary Neville, yes. son of Neville Neville. Sister of... Oh, crap, I shouldn't have started that sentence without knowing it. Tracy. Thank you. Twin sister. Who we should be watching right now because her team are doing very well by all accounts in the Netball World Cup. That's right. She's the coach of the England Netball team. Her brother, twin brother, is a coach of the England women's football team. And how did he do, Joel? Well, so there's arguments either way on this. And I know it's weird to focus on a man. It's just that uh, his appointment was... We didn't really discuss this earlier when we uh, earlier in the series, but like... His appointment was slightly sort of... 
it was a weird one. He's not got any real professional experience. Well, he's got no professional management experience in the women's game. His professional managerial experience in the in the men's game is as an assistant at uh, uh, Manchester United to David Moyes and uh, uh, Valencia, I think. And, and at Valencia with Gary, with his brother, and so it was a confusing appointment. And I know that he seems to have fostered a really good atmosphere in the changing room. Uh, and in fact, England came third in the previous World Cup under another manager who departed. Who well, he departed under Mark Sampson. Yes, in very controversial circumstances, when some sexist stuff that he'd done in his uh, past came uh, came to and mind. allegations of racism as well within that squad. He survived those though, and it got done on sexism. Ugh. Oh. It's not one, the other. It's not one, it's the other one. So yeah, Phil coming in was a, a sort of renewed sense of optimism and, and a move away from the uh, the sort of contentious and potentially uh, PR risky uh, situation of the last manager. Is that how it turned out? Well, yes and no. There's some gaffes. You talk talk us through some of his gaffes that he's made. Okay, so you mentioned it earlier. The game before the Norway game, the first knockout game against Cameroon, we said there were some VAR controversies yes. in as much as it wasn't the, the actual uh, visuals of the VAR and the result the referee gave that was controversial. It was the attitude of the Cameroonian players. The Cameroonian players were so distraught by the VAR results that went against them, including a an offside that was offside, of course. VAR proves either way. It's very black and white. You're offside. There's, you're taking away the sort of context out of that and the emotions. The player was offside. The goal was a necessary goal at 2-0 to England. It, made, it would have made it 2-1. The Cameroon players were all, already sort of crying with joy for getting the goal. To have it taken away, they sort of stopped playing for a few minutes. Mm. Um, and the game didn't really recover. No, they were. It, it, it was it, then the rest of it was played under a very strange atmosphere. Um, and what did Phil say at the end? He he said that the the he said it wasn't really a football game. He right. said he said this this isn't a, essentially he said not his words. It wasn't worthy of a, of a women's World Cup game. Uh, it was essentially bringing the game into disrepute, and it was a disgrace, which I think was too far. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I, I just also think it's unnecessary. Like, you've won the game. They, won the, they ended up winning the game 3-0, didn't they? Yeah, they did. So just let it go. Like, it was bizarre to watch. Don't get me wrong. I'm not defending their, their actions. It was very strange, the, the reactions of the Cameroon players. Like, looking like they were going to walk off the pitch at one point. And then getting very violent. Yeah. In, in some awful tackles happening yeah, after they, that. They didn't conduct themselves in a professional manner. Um but why, as a manager, are you responding about... I don't know. It was very confusing for me. Um, but in general as well, I feel like, other than that, uh, his sort of ability to say some odd things, he also said something very strange after the third, fourth base playoff, which England lost. So, I mean, spoiler alert, if we haven't got there in the roadshows yet, I think we have. England didn't make the final. Uh, Joel and I actually watched the same final together, and there were moments in classic England fashion where mm. I couldn't watch. It was the most Englishy English performance. In fact, your dad said to me, "Kyle, turn around and sit with us to watch this penalty." And I couldn't. I watched it in. The, I watched it in the reflection of a window, and it still didn't go in. Oh, Steph! But his re- so basically, having not got to the final, England were in the same situation they were in the last World Cup under the last manager, where they ended up winning the third, fourth place playoff to finish third. For Phil Neville to, to to see his tenure as a success, and obviously we want to see growth, we want to see progression, and as do the players, a, a better team, by all accounts, under Phil Neville. Mm, that's what we've been told, anyway. He put a lot of pressure on the team to win that game. We need to show that we are as close to the, being the best team in the world as possible, and they lost it. Sweden. And they lost 2-1, and it, the first 15 minutes was an absolute... Um, oh, they were blown shambles. away by the Swedes. Some of the defending in the first 15 minutes of that game by England were... 
And it was all to do with the tactics. And then Phil came out after the game and said, well, it's a nonsense game anyway, don't worry about it. It doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't make any sense. Don't do that. Because England came third in the last Women's World Cup and they came fourth in this one. And the reason that more people are talking about it is... Well, the fact is more people are talking about it and that's great because the profile of the women's game has risen. But don't try and turn what was, you know, a less good display into something, you know, better. I mean, having said that, the players all came out, the players who played in the last World Cup and said... Uh, last time they were delighted to finish third. This time they're disappointed not to have won the whole thing. Well, I mean, they were very unlucky to to not take that semi final into extra time. There was a period in that game against the USA, the all conquering USA, mm. where they were rattled and England had them on the on the ropes to use a boxing parlance. Um, it looked as if that went the first. First of all, the offside goal ruled out. But that was a beautiful goal, to, mm. stolen away from the from the lionesses, and then the penalty. Steph missing a penalty. But in in general, just on Phil, I realise it's very odd for us to focus so much on the only man involved in what was a successful tournament. Uh, uh, in the end, for England, it, I felt tactically he was limited. I didn't feel like. I never felt comfortable with his decisions. The decision to start 4-4-2 against the USA, I didn't understand. I didn't really get his rotation policy. He was the only, England were the only team in the entire tournament to use all of their outfield players at least once. Uh, and they used two of their goalkeepers. So in fact, the only player that didn't play was a third choice goalkeeper. It 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 just seemed to me that as, as some of his decisions didn't make a lot of sense. And I think that's because he hasn't managed at the top level. And in fact, Kyle... Um, after the World Cup, we had we have the bizarre situation where you have Lucy Bronze, the best player in the team. According to Phil Neville, the best player in the world. According to Phil Neville, the best player in the world, saying, uh, quote, Phil said himself he's not the best coach with the best tactics, but he's won over the doubters from the moment he stepped in. He's wanted to create relationships with the players, fans and staff, and he's really done that. That helped us drive on at this tournament and become a better team. Now, this to me kind of speaks to that thing that I spoke about with Tony Duggan. It's like you get a man in who's, you know, who's had a good career in men's football, but he's pretty tactically bereft, doesn't know a lot, but he's passionate. He'll put yeah. an arm around your shoulder and say, well done, girl, go get him. Well, he'll do more than put an arm around your shoulder, and that's one of my main problems with Phil this summer. I've watched him kiss a few players on the forehead, and I don't know how I feel about that. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It's a bit strange. Yeah. And to contextualise it, in particular, Fran Kirby uh, was playing on the anniversary of her mother's death and she was a bit overwhelmed at the end of the game, understandably. Mm. But do you want your manager kissing you on the forehead? Now, it's not my place to say. I'm not a female professional football player with a male coach. No. But I didn't like the way it looked. Um, do, do the male coaches do that? I think a lot yeah, of... Yeah, a lot of bum pats and kisses. I mean, it depends on the style of manager. Jurgen Klopp and Mauricio Pochettino definitely kiss Guardiola their likes to kiss your player yeah, they on the kiss cheek. Their players the double kiss cheek. But that's continental, Joel. Phil Neville's from Salford. <laughs> Not up in here. <laughs> but it's also, it comes down to this thing, right? And it's definitely been a feature of this World Cup because you've had all the fucking normal sexists crawling out of the woodwork to complain about the quality of the game uh, and all this stuff. But like... The, the, there's an there's an argument to be had about should a male manager even be working in the women's game? I would say yes. Why the hell not? Uh, likewise, women's managers in the men's game. What's the problem? I like, would I would counter that by saying it's a it's a trend. I feel like it's a trend in the women's game at this level, and to for for the for the FA to appoint 
Phil Neville at this stage, with the game growing as it is, I think was a mistake when they had lots of female uh, coaches at the top level, like Emma Hayes, that could have stepped in and taken that role. Yeah. I also think if you reflect on, on how that looks in, uh, for example, in the African Cup of Nations or the African teams that make the World Cup, they barely ever have African managers, coaches. Yeah. They always have uh, French coaches, mm. uh, white French coaches in the main. And I think it, it, it sends a message. Game, it holds the game back and it tells you that at the end of your playing career, you're not going to be able to move into You're not good positions. enough to do it. Yeah. I, yeah, I do agree with that. And like, we just the proof's in the bloody pudding. Uh, I mean, so we've, we've failed at any non-spoilers to, for anyone who didn't watch no, it. No, we haven't. We're going to go to, uh, for our last... Say, well, let me just say one thing, that the manager of the team that won the World Cup... Is English. Is English and we'll come back after this. <laughs> USA! USA! More like boo SA. Uh, a lot of dirty tactics going on from the USA. Andrew Green, how do you feel about that? I uh, gotta get the job done. There was a moment of absolute elation where I thought England had brought it up to 2 2. And then, of course, we had the terrible moment where we realised it was just offside. Morgan Morgan did a good job. I hate Alex Morgan. <laughs> Don't even. Uh, but what a game. Very exciting. Absolute shame about that terrible penalty. Awful penalty. Awful excellent, penalty. Excellent match, though. Good, yeah. good advertisement for the sport. And then we had our penalty with about nine minutes to spare. And I was praying, but alas, sadly, an excellent save from the US goalkeeper. USA are happy. I have spotted my voulez vuku play avec moi. We're back to talk about the Women's World Cup final. And before we do, Joel, I think we're all gagging for another round of The Manager by Terry Venables. Do you actually give the answers to the previous question? Yep, go. Uh, so, name three league clubs George Best has played for you Manchester could... United. Yeah. Pre- could... Preston. Nope. Derby. Nope. Put me out of my misery. You could have had any two more from Fulham, Bournemouth and Stockport County. I never would have got any of those. Well, there you go. I bet one of our listeners did. Another round. Question. Who were the finalists of the FA Cup final in 1989 to 90? The most Ooh. recent question this could have been on this on this board game. You're welcome. 89 to 90. I want to say... Arsenal? No. Liverpool? Never. Man United Crystal Palace. Okay. Who had a hit, hit record with classical gas in 1965? Classical gas? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Don't you remember? Lisa plays at the saxophone outside the nuclear power plant and Lenny sort of clicks along. What? It was Mason Williams. What race is Aintree famous for? Grand National. Yeah! Got one right, finally. Thank you, Terry, for the memories. It's the final. It's at Lyon Stadium. We said there might be some uh, Lyon feminine players in that final. In the end, there were. Who was playing? Uh, I didn't know there were uh, Lyon squad players, but it was between the USA, the team with the best history, the best funding, that won the World Cup the most, against the much unfancied but pretty impressive Dutch team with the best fans at the World Cup. The Orange Lionesses. Yeah, though. the Orange Lionesses. Their, their fan group was fantastic. Up and like all over France, dressed in orange, all in like little pockets of the stadium. I've got another pardonnez-moi cul-de-sac. Oh God! I, we were calling her Vivian Medima for the whole of the yes. groups. It's obviously, if you think about it as a Dutch word, Vivian Medema. Medema. Sorry. I mean, sorry, but do 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 do. Back to the cul-de-sac. What did I call Megan? 
Rapino. Oh, I thought it was Rapino. No, I called her Megan Rapino. It's Rapino. It's Rapino. Tell us about Rapino, Joel. What is there left to say? Well, to the listeners, quite a lot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she has announced herself as probably right now, I'd say, the third most famous footballer in the world. Messi, Ronaldo, Rapino. I, I mean, I think, yeah. Possibly more famous, actually. I think she's the most famous sportsman of this year. Yeah, 100%. Uh, she had an extraordinary World Cup. I'll say that again. The most famous sports person of this year. I think it's all right, isn't it? Fine. I mean, she wouldn't like it. No, that's true. Uh, she, I mean, as I mentioned before, highly politicised. Uh, uh, I had already highlighted the fact that she said that she wouldn't go to the White House if they won the World Cup. And what happened during the course of this tournament? It blew up. Uh, because? Because of, that, because of that quote. Because the... The current incumbent of the White House. Do 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 do. do. Don't know what that chatbot was. Carry yeah, on. I can't imagine whose chatbot that would have been. That was great. Oh, this is why people listen to this podcast. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, he said that she uh, that they hadn't even invited invited the team to the said to focus on winning because you know he's so good at winning. Well, he was like, yeah, don't count your chickens. Yeah, Megan. Yeah. Why don't you win before you say you won't come? And then what do they do? They won. And is she going? No, she's not. Of course she's not. He, he's, you know. Anyway, she's a she's a, a queer icon. She's a wonderful footballer. That's the best thing about it is she's a polit- she's politicised. She's uh, actively, you know, making a difference. She said she's going to campaign for equal pay in the sport. She... All of that stuff is backed up by the fact that she's an amazing footballer. She won the golden boot by dint of having played less minutes than uh, her teammate uh, Alex Morgan. And she won the golden ball as the best player. She has lit this World Cup up with consistently beautiful football. She's so skillful. She's so quick. Uh, and there's something unbelievably exciting about seeing uh, a woman sports person, embrace a female sports person embracing the kind of confidence that is so often discouraged in young girls who are playing sport. And I think that, again, goes back to the My Tony Duggan thing. Uh, the reason that men have taken against Megan Rapinoe is that she behaves. Her, her goal celebration with her arms outstretched and her chest... It's iconic. Up. Yeah, but it's very similar to Ronaldo's. And no one ever goes, oh, Ronaldo's so, you know, uh, Ronaldo should, shouldn't behave that way. They go, well, he's Ronaldo. He can do yeah. what he wants. She's Rapino. She's Rapino, And she's an absolute legend of the game. I also, obviously, there's all the positive things about her, like how she's instilling confidence and, and is this obviously incredible positive icon for so many people. But I love her reverence. She, yeah. She was, uh, that, so when when England were inevitably beaten by the USA, well, there was a big furore about uh, Alex Morgan celebrating by pretending to drink a drink cup of tea. tea. so good. Because obviously, you know, ever since the Boston Tea Party, we've been... <laughs> Stewing in our juices to this day. And, Stewing in our bags. And when Rapino was asked about this, probably about a week later, she went, wah, 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 in the interview. <laughs> Who does that? That's so good. I just love her. I just love everything about her. I love the fact she swears. I love the fact that she like says that, yes, she's trying to hold up her end and be a uh, an icon and a, a hero for young girls, but she's not doing that in a patronising way. So she's, you know... She's, you know, she's not saying she's a perfect person, but she's saying that I'm good at football, so respect me for it. Will anyone beat the USA the next World Cup? I don't see how they can. We've got four years for the rest of the world to catch up. How can the rest of the world catch up essentially 30 years of mismatched funding? 
the USA are 30 years ahead in the women's game. And it was obvious in most of the games, their physical presence alone was so much higher. They're athletes in a way that all of the teams who had any semi-professional players, you could tell the difference between the USA and those teams. And it's just a fact. Until the rest of the world goes... Uh, and gives puts as much money into grassroots women's football as it does into men's grassroots football. Oh, even in the professional game, it's not going to catch. No one's going to catch them up. It's a shame because uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from the USA. To see a team win 13 0 in the group stages mm. is difficult because you one you feel inevitably feel sorry for the team that's been absolutely decimated, and you tend to think maybe they shouldn't have been in this tournament, but they deserve to get there. They qualified. Yeah. But they the the disparity in resources and talent well i said to you before is, is, is that measured 13 i nil. said to you before the tournament about thailand they they have that they, they would own they only got to the tournament because of private finances from a ceo of a of a company are you saying that you saw this coming joel 100 percent. i predicted this completely now i hate to always bring this back to gambling but I hope, listeners, that when you listen to our group stages and you say, you heard what Joel said about Thailand, that you went and backed USA with everything you were because you would be bringing back about 10% of what yeah, you paid. Your odds was... would not be good. <laughs> but still, 13 nil. if you'd back that. No, I, no, I don't think anyone would back that. I, just, but just, just on that question, will, will anyone catch up? Uh, England are best positioned to do it because the FA are, are belatedly realising that there is uh, sponsorship money to be made in the women's game. Um LucasAid have have put a lot of money in recently. Uh, there's mu- the, essentially like all of football. Assu- the the what's and what's definitely going to be a consequence of this World Cup is like all of football at the moment. If anyone thinks you can get money out of it, i.e. via sponsorship deals, via corporate stuff, uh, by your team winning the Champions League or whatever, um, then the, there'll be put more money we put into grassroots and more money we put into the game. That's going to happen. England are well placed place to do it. Spain are slowly coming along as well. They had a really surprisingly good World Cup. Uh, the Dutch league isn't very good, but their players play in good places. Uh, the Chinese league is slowly catching up. Uh, the French league, obviously, with Lyon there being the best team in the world, that's catching up. So but, it's sounding promising. But they're so... We can't... It's, it's essentially like saying, will... So as we speak, listeners, this is a complete... It'll sound like a... Uh, a, a slight tangent, but as we speak, Madagascar have still not been knocked out of the African Cup of Nations. They're having an extraordinary tournament. They're doing really well. This is in the men's game. Um, and you look at the financial situation of Malagasy football in Madagascar compared to, say, Nigeria. It's like 40 years behind. Yeah. And so that's a shock. I don't understand how any... So any t- you're saying any team to beat the USA will be a shock going on. The, the the way a the, giant killing, but yeah, but because of the way that this World Cup has worked is so many more people are aware of women's football. We've watched more women's football in the last few months than I've ever done in my entire life. So many more people are talking about it. Our listeners who've spoken to me uh, since the group previews were like, "I'm so excited about the women's World Cup." I know people who haven't watched any men's football and have watched the women's World Cup, but that hi- highlighting that level of focus and interest is only going to lead to more investment in the US game. Who's the most famous footballer in the world right now? An American footballer. Yeah, but Joel, please just humour me here and let, let's... Just for this reason alone, in 2023... If Ada Hegber, if the Norwegian FA can, can agree to Ada Hegerberg's demands, I think Norway have a chance. I was going to say, can England please win it just so we can use the term in the press that we finally entered a Bronze Age? 
Is that what you were building this entire... I went on a rant and all you wanted... <laughs> so we're going to have another review of that World Cup final in a lot more detail than we just spoke about it. And we'll come back and sum up the whole season after this. Hello, Absolute Worldy listeners. I am here with former Absolute Worldy guest, Andrew Gruen. Born in the USA. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, if you don't know by now, the USA have just won the Women's World Cup Final 2019. It's a very good day to be American. Andrew, how do you feel about the match? Do you feel they play well? Uh, yeah, it was a strong match. Uh, good penalty from Rapineau. Take that, Trump. I'm happy with it. Can we talk about the Netherlands goalkeeper who played an absolute blinder? If she doesn't get Woman of the Match, well, frankly, I'll be annoyed. So the World Cup final between Holland and USA. Everyone's favourites, the USA. I've got to say I was cheering for Holland. Always go for the underdog. Always go for the underdog. The under... No, nope, I've got nothing. Lionesses. The under orange lionesses. Undercats. Undercats. Who? Oh. <laughs> under, under, undercats. Um, they, uh, I was cheering for them, but they did lose. Van der Sanden looks a bit like a thundercat. Disgust. Don't. Uh, they lost 2-0. She wears lipstick when she plays. I like that. That's cool. Greenwood uh, of the of England is nicknamed in the dressing room eyelashes because she wears false eyelashes when she plays. Falsies. Falsies indeed. Is that falsies? Okay. <laughs> um, so 2-0. 2-0 so the USA won. Uh, and just uh, let's say justice was served. A Rapino penalty. Um, a bit of a worldy as well. The, one of my favourite things this World Cup was uh, watching USA score within the opening 12 minutes of every single game they played and it got to the World Cup final and every commentator, every pundit, all they could talk about for the first 12 minutes of the game is <laughs> can Holland hold out? <laughs> Will they be the first team to stop USA scoring in the first 12 minutes? And they got till half time. Yeah, they did. That was a victory in itself. I was excited. I thought they might have a chance. Um, like you say, Midamar and various other, and you know they've got some good players, Holland. But it's just there's just no there's just no stopping the USA. They they put a stranglehold on games and they kill them off. And, and the USA are now the first team to retain the Women's World Cup. That's a fantastic start. Uh, and they beat the European champions, which is a fitting final, I think. Yeah. Well, current world champions versus current European champions, and the team that you would expect to win one and brought the whole final, the whole t- amazing tournament to an end, and our series to an end, Joel. And they also, uh, I encourage all of our listeners to go and look for their dressing room celebration uh, Instagram videos. They are brilliant. Are they drinking tea? They are really not drinking tea. Are they th- burning clogs and smoking Wait, cannabis? The, the US team? Well, yeah, because they hate the English, now they hate the Dutch. No, Oh, I see your point. No, they're drinking a load of beer and champagne and swearing. They those were, they those were, guys. They were, it was so... They're just so blooming cool. It's a long, long time ago that the fir- after the first Women's World Cup final, they were handed bouquets. Yeah. Sorry, bouquets. Bouquets. Time's changed. <laughs> Time has changed. It was more about the bouquet of the champagne. There you go. Got it back. Thank you, Joel. So, yeah. Sorry, you were, you were segueing neatly there and I interrupted you. Into... I've started calling them Georgia segways. Better than Georgia Segaforths. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Lucy Stanforth. Oh, her chat board's not even going off. Um, so um, uh, it's been a long time since we started series three of the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast, uh, but it's worth looking back over over our time. 
Uh, it's obviously it obviously began before the Women's World Cup, way back when. Uh, first episode was twenty first of March. Back in March, uh, with uh, with Rowan. Rowan. Rowan McCloskey. We've had Natasha Anderson. We yeah. had an amazing Turkish with her. We did, and we watched uh, Barcelona discuss Paul Scholes in a bin eating a kebab. We did. We then went on a road show with uh, Andrew Gruen to the new Tottenham Stadium. We did before we that watching out. the the game we will never forget. What a summer of sport! Yeah, the Tottenham. Three Ajax two. We watched that with Joe Cullen. That got us some feedback that the, this podcast was too Tottenham centric, and we can only apologise for that. The Queen did a Nations League preview for us. Oh, the Queen! Yeah, I forgot yeah, about the, the Queen. Queen rocked up. She did a. Nations Mike League. Smalling was here. Mike Smalling. He might come back later and read some questions from the. From I'm the... not seen him for a while. No, yeah. Uh, but I have to say, a big thank you goes to our recurring guests. Yeah, Sadie, Lolo, and Amy. I mean, Rowan's technically a recurring guest as well. That's true, but Shinyu came back once in this series. The yes, other two were she repeated multiple. having been in season two. That's right. Yeah. We had those three as our as a sort of co-host, I'd even say, for our group previews. Yeah, they hosted the World Cup. And they've been giving us some lovely roadshows throughout this episode, as you know. Yes, indeed. And I think there'd be no better place to finish this series than with an update from someone that we've not heard of already in an episode about the actual game. She's not been on the roadshow. Amazingly, Carl, we haven't inspired her in the two episodes this season to watch the World Cup. Well, I don't think that's true. We've inspired her to go back to Windsor, to her mum's house. Yeah. And I think she's got a little something to say. But before we listen to Lolo, spoiler alert, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to thank you, listeners, for staying with us for another another series. We've now gone over the, the year mark. We've had our first anniversary. Thank you so much if you're still with us. We really do appreciate it. I know every podcast asks you this, but if you do like what you hear, please do like, please do share, please do rate, please do tell your friends, both football and non-football fans alike. We really do appreciate you spreading the word about the Absolute Worldy Football podcast. I was at a barbecue just this weekend talking to a guy about Women's World Cup football. I told him I had a podcast. He downloaded it right there and then. And that's what you've got to do, guys. Help us out. I can't meet everyone at barbecues. Help us to help you. Help us to help you. Help us to help you. Or something like that. Um, and also message us and tell us what you want us to cover in the next series. Whether you're liking what we're doing at the moment, with this sort of vibe of mainly just vibing off our guests, yep. uh, which we enjoy immensely, and the roadshows, which we'd like to do more of. Tell us where you'd like us to go. Invite us places. Forest Green. Invite us to Forest Green if you're listening. Oh, I'd love to talk about Forest Green Morecambe. for about an hour. Invite us to Morecambe. We'll come to Morecambe. Uh, where else have we talked about in the past? Well, actually, Joel, having said all this, there might be a special episode on my stag do. Are, we, are you getting married? Can you hear the bells? Ca- yep. <laughs> They're the wedding bells. Oh, yeah. I mean, you announced uh, on this podcast around this time last year that you were engaged. That's quick work. Well done. Thank you. I, I've not been the major sort of spearhead in those movements, but thank you anyway. <laughs> Let's hand ourselves over to... Lolo Brow, and we will speak to you very, very Here soon. Here is Lolo Brow and Mama Brow discussing a signed football that Lolo mentioned on this podcast very, very recently. Bye, guys. Bye. It's me. I'm just leaving these names, otherwise I won't remember. So who was it, Mum? Nigel Spackman. Nigel Spackman. His daughter, Hannah. His daughter, Hannah. So this is... You know, I told you about the football. This is the football with the signatures. I'm just finally sitting down with Mum. Who else is... Rude Gillett. Rude Gillett. Did I know these people? Yeah. I knew them. Are they famous? Yes. Okay. Who else? Uh, Dave Roadcastle, but he's died. Dave Roadcastle, but he's died. I imagine you know they're that. All, you, they're all at Bridgeting. Well, Rude Hillett didn't. Okay. Rude but Hillett. Gillett. Gillett. Are these all Chelsea players? Yeah. They so, and they went to school? Well, Dave, Nigel Spackman was, and Dave Roadcastle was. But... So I went to school with their daughters? Yeah. 
Did I know this at the time? Yes. I'm useless. Well, I, yeah, well, I knew, but it didn't mean anything to me. It's, I only knew because one day I saw Paul. I stopped in the car. I dropped you up to the school, mm. and they came back. And Paul was talking to Dave Rowcastle, and I said, "Who's he?" And he said, "That's Dave Rowcastle. He plays for Chelsea." And I went, oh, "Okay." Oh. He said, so then that's how we got the connection to get the football signed. Ah, okay. So I, sorry, Joel, this is a long one, but it was just uh, I've been trying to do this for ages. There you go. That's how we got the football. Merry Christmas. The Absolute Worldy Football Podcast, as produced by Kyle Ross and Joel Samuels, with music by Adam Janota-Bazowski and Amar Chada Patel, will return in the autumn. A reminder that the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast is dedicated to the memory of Liam Seeger, who designed our amazing artwork. We'll see you in the autumn. In the meantime, please do like, share and subscribe. Bye, we love you.